And just a reminder, we're doing a giveaway for, of some stickers that we got from Gold Label Goods. Thank you again, Gold Label. We actually have some other stuff to add to that. To have a chance to win any of those, please send us a voice message about your feelings about Lost Girl coming to an end. We will have a list of ways that you can send us one of those voice messages at the end of this episode, or you can go to drinksofthedoll.com slash feels. Welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 130. Listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast waystation for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Chris. And we are not joined by Annie today, sadly, but we are joined by my friend Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello. Hello. Who, I guess I, I should say, my friend Dr. Elizabeth. Whoa. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is an episode in what might turn out to be a little series that we do where we give recommendations for other types of media or even, I guess, a similar media to Lost Girl, if you like Lost Girl. So I recommended if you like. Do you remember, Elizabeth, you were you were a DJ at our college radio station, like I was. And do you remember uh-huh. when they did the reviews on the little stickers that they put on the, the CD labels to help you, like, choose music? There was always a little section that was, that was like, yes. R-I-Y-L, and then it was, like, other bands that this band was like. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what this is. Exactly. This is recommended if Perfect. you like. That's Lost where R I Y L came from. I had never seen that until you typed it before. That's where it came from. So this is an an R I Y L Lost Girl, and we're talking about comics this time. And Elizabeth has not not just a passing interest in such things. <laughs> it's true. I have a, a nearly professional interest in such things. That's right. She is a doctor of comics. She kind of is. She did her dissertation on <laughs> comics, so <laughs> she kind of is. That's true. Well, and other things, too, but they, they formed a major part of it, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. When day you're going to have to explain to me how you got so into comics, because it feels like it just suddenly was there. It's oh, like, oh. It was it was there, deep underground in private, <laughs> in my private time. <laughs> I did a lot of comics reading. See? Um, Never but knew. yeah, I... I I only really figured out that I could do it, you know, as part of my academic work in while I was doing PhD work. You know, I wrote a paper or two with them as a master's student. And then, I don't know, it just sort of came to me like, oh, yeah, you, you can do this as a real, real life academic. So I had a lot of good mentors in that way who did popular culture type things. So I decided to do that. Yay. Cool. But we would not be talking about the comics that on which you di- dissertated. <laughs> Disserted? What is the verb? <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> I did find a drink special for this episode, but I, I think I'm kind of I'm gonna find because it's actually a punch, and it's called Boom Boom Punch, but it's an actual punch. Awesome. <laughs> nice. So okay. it makes a lot of beverage, but I think I'm gonna find a way to like distill it down to one beverage worth, and so that that way it can be a Boom Boom Punch to kind of get into the. the do you see what I'm going for here with the Boom Boom Punch <laughs> comic? Yes. I do. Okay. <laughs> There's an, an oft repeated sound effect. <laughs> It involves light rum, orange juice, sweet vermouth, and chill. Sweet vermouth. 
vermouth <laughs> this is going super well how much sweet vermouth have you had this morning <laughs> none of that just some tequila <clears throat> and some champagne i can say champagne but yeah i'm gonna see if i can figure out what the proportions are and maybe distill it down to one drink so it can be a boom boom punch <laughs> isn't there an x-man named boom boom there is yeah an x-man woman <laughs> right <laughs> So let's get started talking about comics. Where did you want to start this discussion, Elizabeth? You were you were very prolific in your pre- preparation for this episode. It was very impressive. Oh, well, thank you. So let's start with the actual tie-in comics from Lost Girl. There are a few different places where these things got handed out, the most important of which is at uh, San, Di- San Diego Comic Con 2011. Uh, there was a Lost Girl panel where there was a prologue the prologue basically consists of, you know, us sort of uh, seeing the origin story of Bo very briefly. It's not too much more information than's in the show, but then there's a sort of side, you know, adventure of Bo where you just kind of get to see what the character is like, that she's, you know, a lost girl, if you will, that she's doing something sexy, but also uh, a little terrifying when she kisses people. I mean, you know, that's that's basically what you learned from that one. Have you guys read this one? I have not, no. I have. It was posted on Tumblr about a year ago by somebody. They scanned all the pages and they posted them on Tumblr as images. And it's kind of interesting because it does have, along with this little side adventure of Bo, it has introductions to all of the Lost Girl characters from the first season. However, they're not Mm -hmm. actually involved in the actual storytelling. It's like, here are these characters, but then here's a little story that just involves Bo. That's right. I mean, for somebody who's never seen the show before, it's a nice primer. I agree. But it's not, like you're saying, it doesn't really give you much of the flavor of the show itself Mm -hmm. because the show is such an ensemble and this is really just a solo Bo, a solo Bo show, (laughs) if you will. Uh, I will. So... (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad. There's also an interactive motion comic that was posted through Lost Girls website quite a while ago. How did you find this? I had never heard of this until you put this on on the notes for today. Well, honestly, I think I probably Googled Lost Girl in comics at some point. And this came okay. up. I know. It's the thing I do. I put comics next to everything and see what comes up. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Almost everything has a comic associated with it. Yeah, it's a, it's a motion comic. I, I wasn't able to find a good link to the actual comic today, mm-hmm. but it is up on YouTube, I see. So yeah, it's it's a partial thing. This is a little bit different than the promotional comic from before, although it's still sort of in that genre of, you know, be sure and watch our show, read this comic so you'll watch our show. It's a an adventure of Bo just prior to the start of the series. She uh, runs into another fae, but of course, because she doesn't really know what the fae are when she starts the show, uh, she doesn't really know what she's running into. You see kind of what she was doing just before she got the bartending job that we find her at in the first episode. And there's also a part of the plot where Dyson... And uh, Hale are looking for whoever's causing this murder. And they don't figure out that it's Bo. It's actually another Fae that's causing some death, you know. I I think it's a better setup for the series as a whole in that we start to see that there are more characters involved. Of course, you don't really get the true Lost Girl feel until everybody's together. I think that's, you know, where the show is really at its best. Uh, So these are sort of your 
if you're really hankering for some, you know, nostalgia about the beginning of the series, this this will certainly help you out with that. But really, there's a lot more comics out there that will take you in a different place than Lost Girl, but I think will relate quite well to your interest therein. So. Can I mention something about the motion comic first? Of course, yeah. So I, I went and I looked at the, the listing about it over on one of the Lost Girl wikis, and it seems like there's there were quite a few parts that they released online through, I'm guessing, I don't know, Showcase's website or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was. Yeah, but only four of them are actually available on YouTube right now. And so I watched the first one. And I got to say, well, the first one entirely and part of the second one. And mm-hmm. it kind of annoys me that they didn't get the actors from the show to do the voice acting because the voice acting oh, is pretty dodgy. <laughs> hmm. I, I don't mean to suggest that it feels anything like actually watching a show uh, like a Lost Girl episode. It, it feels like they're sort of just getting their feet wet trying to figure out what the show is like. Mm-hmm. It, or honestly, if you could. If it wasn't a motion comic, I think it would be much better. Yeah. If you could just read the comic and have your own voices in your head, I think my, you know, inner bow would do a better yeah. job. But, you know, whatever. The bow is not that bad, but the trick was terrible. <laughs> oh, good the call. The trick was yes. really bad. I do feel <laughs> like I should clarify, even though people have probably figured out from context clues, motion comics are kind of halfway in between a comic and a cartoon. Mm-hmm. They're kind of a weird... A weird animal. So they're, they're like they're like static panels that, but they they you know they zoom and and they will add the, the little dialogue bubbles will pop up as it goes, but it's not just a continuous motion of these characters the way that cartoons are. And apparently, when they were originally posted, you could interact with them in some way, which is why it was called an interactive motion comic. But mm. since we mm-hmm. just have the uploads to YouTube, I'm not entirely sure how you could interact with them at the time. Well, at the time, you were doing things like you would get to certain points in the story where it was appropriate. And it's sort of like a heavily guided video game okay. where you would like participate in a fight that Bo was in and try to shoot something. I mean, you know, little in-story type games, oh, okay. but they're, they're pretty limited, but you know, uh, this motion comic thing was a thing that was very popular, like for people to do. I'm not sure how well received they were as a whole, but about 10 years ago, it was like, Maybe people would read more comics if they just moved and talked, you know? <laughs> I don't really understand it, honestly. I, I like reading myself. But, you know, it doesn't happen as much anymore. Um, I think the best one that ever lived was the uh, Watchmen-associated motion comic. Watchmen is an excellent graphic novel to read. It's an okay movie to watch. And there is a motion comic that goes sort of knit between the movie. That's actually a pretty great motion comic. Just, you know, trivia. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I I remember Marvel did, like, they released a series of them based on some of their more popular graphic Mm -hmm. novels. So I think it was sort of meant to be a bridge between the, the movie going audience and the comic books. Precisely. Yeah. Because what's keeping you from reading comics is the fact that they don't, you know, move and talk, that you have to turn pages and read words. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. know. You know, I don't think that's it. They're pretty but, cheesy know. because they're not as good as a comic, <laughs> but they're not as good as a movie. So I, I kind of don't see the point of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, yeah. Stephanie. <laughs> but, but comics are great. They we are. Should we should talk them. about comics. <laughs> So in general, if your audience is not necessarily a comic reading audience, I will say that the world of comics has changed vastly in the, be- in the last decade or so. 
Whereas when I first started reading comics, we, you know, you had to go to a specialty store and make sure that, uh, you know, you found all the issues that you were looking for or bought in trades. Uh, now you can buy comics online, several different places. Uh, you can follow things issue by issue. You can follow things in trade, especially the big two, but a lot of comic book companies are being better about how they market runs. So in other words, you won't just start reading a story and then it'll suddenly drop out and you won't know where it's going. So that's good. <laughs> By the big two, she means DC and Marvel. Oh, that's right. My bad. <laughs> yes, indeed. DC and Marvel. Those are the big two. I didn't even question it because I knew. <laughs> well, since you prefaced it, sorry, if your audience is not a comic book reading no, audience, no, I, know. I, I, I thought we should, we should explain. And then and then I went straight to inside baseball. I know I should really I should be better. Than and that. by trades, <laughs> she means. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm getting. I was getting there actually. Okay. okay, so so the way that one reads a comic is by single issue or by trade or other collected editions. So a single issue is that thing that you know your little brother has a a bunch of in a box somewhere, or sister, or a little sister. That's true. Has a bunch of in a box somewhere that are just sort of magazines that are usually around 20, 25 pages that are stapled in the middle and you you read them issue by issue, okay? And then when they put together usually four, five, or six of those together in a book, they call it a trade paperback. That is a trade edition of a comic. Uh, there's also other hardback and omnibus collections and library editions. Those are all just names for bigger collections of issues in book form. Those are the things that now you can buy more easily, <laughs> either in bookstores or online. You can also read a lot of comics digitally now, uh, including a vast array of single issues and collected editions on different websites. My, my favorite right now is called Comixology. It's, uh, it's got literally millions and millions of comics. I think everything that I'm going to talk about today is available somewhere on Comixology's website. So in case you want to try something out, you can just, from the comfort and convenience of your own home, try out an issue. Issues are for older runs of things are usually fairly inexpensive. A lot of times a single issue will be 99 cents on a digital issue. Brand new stuff is usually around four bucks. So, you know, it's it's not a money intensive hobby <laughs> unless you get really into it, in which case it will suck your bank account quite dry. You can also look at things, find a lot of these things through your library. So don't be shy. Ask your librarian. Uh, how to find trades and other collected editions of these comics. They are widely available, and your library should probably have some of them if they don't already. And I want to point out that trade paperbacks usually are a complete storyline. That's right. A lot of times there'll be arcs, and helpfully, a lot of times companies will put uh, not just the issues in order, but also other issues that you might need in order to understand a particular arc. Um, so like they'll have the actual story arc from the run of comics. So that will be, you know, issue 15 through 22 or whatever. And then say you needed to know something from an older volume of the comic that's like, you know, number 277 has a background on a character in this. A lot of times they'll put it in the trade paperbacks just to be helpful. Trade paperbacks really reinvigorated my relationship to comics because I tried to get into them when I was a kid, but I always felt so lost as to where they were at in the storyline when I just mm -hmm. tried to pick up an issue. So yeah. they're very helpful. 
They're extremely helpful. And yeah, they can they can be a great gateway into any number of stories. So let's get into some recommendations. If we got Lost Girl coming to an end, you may be looking for new things to do. So what are some comic book recommendations for, for Lost Girl fans that you want to kick us off with? Okay, well, I'm going to start you off with an older uh, series that is quite famous. And if you've not read a fantasy comic before, may I recommend to you uh, Sandman, the Sandman series by Neil Gaiman. Um, he wrote a, a large collection of these comics. They are in many trades. The Sandman series is about a character from the DC universe called the Sandman that is one of the, what you call the endless, which are these beings that control different aspects of human nature. So this is Dream. He's Sandman. He's Dream of the Endless. And what's great about this and why I think Lost Girl fans will groove on it is that Gaiman gives us a look at different parts of the world and different myths and fables and fantasies all sort of coalescing some way around dreaming. So what are our dreams? What happens in our dreams? Uh, how are they alike and different around the world? And can build this huge sweeping fantasy world um, so that if you kind of like something that's going on in one issue, you'll probably find something else that you like. And if you're not grooving on one, you can always find another one that will go there. The art changes a lot over the series. New artists did it all the time, which I think really adds to the richness of the world. The ones I would suggest to you. So it started in 1988. There are still some issues coming out now, although the, it's slowed. It had a hiatus and it's slowed down a lot. But two volumes I want to especially recommend to Lost Girl fans are Doll's House, which is the second volume of the series, and then uh, Game of You. These are both really delving into other kinds of fantasy worlds that Sandman is going into for a little while for one reason or another and explore a lot of the deep, rich fantasy world that game is building here. I don't recommend the first volume for someone who's maybe just has a casual interest in it because it's tied very deeply in with DC. You know, come back later and read it, but uh, start with the second volume. Have you read any Sandman, Chris? I have not. Me either. Is it really as good as people say? Yes. Okay. It's definitely one of those things that if you like it, you'll love it. And if you don't, you know, it's all right. I'll forgive you. I'll still be your friend. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, give it a try. Okay. There's just something about Neil Gaiman that rubs me the wrong way. So I've never read it. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, if that's the case, then maybe it's not for and you. And then Elizabeth's oh, like, friendship <laughs> over. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. We could, you know, we could agree to well, disagree. I mean, Neil Gaiman his, himself, or Neil himself, his Twitter, <laughs> his Twitter handle reads. It, it, yeah. So if he, you know, but he's not in it. So maybe... <laughs> well, no, not even in a cameo, although that might have been delightful. Who knows? But yeah, it's 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 great. And a classic, too. I mean, um, it's one of those things that, especially in the 90s, really kind of reinvigorated the trade paperback, you know, industry. Like, people weren't tracking it in issues, but the trade sold extremely well. So, you know, that's how we get a lot more trades these days. So my next recommendation is a big series called Fables that uh, just ended last year. It's uh, also a Vertigo series. It is what you call an urban fantasy show, much or series, much like Lost Girl is. 
or was. <laughs> so in it, different fables or mythical creatures are forced to live in our world in a particular neighborhood or on a farm, depending on how well they blend in with human society. I myself don't read this series, but I have a great friend whose recommendation I trust deeply, who is very excited about telling me about this series. So I trust it's great and that you will love it if you love Lost Girl for exactly those reasons I'm talking about. I mean, it sounds like the fay or the fables, guys. It's the same kind of stuff. <laughs> Why wouldn't you love it? <laughs> I want to say I read an issue or a trade of this, but it was so long ago, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember it clearly anymore. But I do remember hearing a fair amount about it and knowing that it's quite popular. So Yeah. One of the things that my friend wanted to make sure we knew is that the characters are done really well, that the, you know, the fable characters are rich, you know, they have a lot of character and that they are, a, it's a good use of the fairy tale characters themselves of subverting expectations for them. Cinderella, for example, is a secret agent. Prince Charming is a real asshole, you know, but I'm not shocked about that. But, <laughs> and, and most of the two main characters of the show, of the uh, series are Snow White and Rose Red. So it's a lot of the interactions between sisters as well as their, you know, main villain. So, you know, sounds like a good gateway drug there for your your Lost Girl fans. All right. Also, uh, another series that's on right now is uh, Saga. This is written by Brian K. Vaughn and absolutely beautifully drawn by Fiona Staples. Um, it's an image book, which means it comes out fairly irregularly. Image is a publisher that uh, doesn't keep to a super tight schedule, but it's worth it every time they come out. It is a fantasy series about two, basically two warring factions of alien creatures that are our main characters are from each faction and they have a child together and what that means to their political relationship with the rest of the uh, world worlds, I guess. Uh, It's out in space, uh, which I know doesn't really float the boat of some people, but you hardly notice. Who are you talking about, (laughs) 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 But they're fabulously designed fantasy creatures. It it does something in comics that you could never, ever do in television or any other medium, really. It gives us this rich world, this very visual world with these creatures that have different body types and not really humanoid body types, convincingly, which I think is one of those things that is difficult to accomplish in most other media, but this this really pulls it off. It's, it's also pretty racy. There's sex in it quite a bit. <laughs> so there you don't, go. Don't there's the hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's sexiness. In fact, there's this one... I was home visiting for Christmas and I was reading a volume and my mom just picked it up to like the first page <laughs> and there was a, you know, full blown nude shot of somebody, you know, birthing a child <laughs> and my mom would like slowly closed the book <laughs> and put it down. I was like, okay. <laughs> There's also sort of a, a bit of scandal about it. And then, okay, so there are these characters in the story that have basically television screens for heads and their t- whatever's on their mind a lot comes up as images on the screen. And a couple of them have uh, rather lurid fantasy lives. So that, that will get the book censored sometimes. <laughs> so luckily you can get it in trades or big collections and, you know, 
Everything's there. They're, I'm just saying they're not afraid to show some bodies. So, <laughs> so I had to hopefully covertly look up Brian K. Vaughn's name while you were talking because I, was, I knew I knew that name, and oh, yes. it's from Buffy. He, I was like, it's I Buffy. I I my Buffy sensor uh-huh. is going off. He he wrote <laughs> on season eight the comics for season eight. He did indeed. He also has done some other television type stuff. Yes, I was looking up. He wrote some episodes of Lost, which some people will like him for. He also wrote for (laughs) Under the Dome, for which we need to forgive him. (laughs) Oh, poor Brian. Yeah, that's right. It looks like, though, he was only involved in, like, the first season, so he got out fast. (laughs) He did. Poor Brian. Brian's great, though. (laughs) (laughs) He and Fiona Staples have the control on this book, so I think that really helps. Uh, It's the kind of story that could only be done with a couple of people, not really, wouldn't work well with network committee, you know, so they get away with a lot. Bless you, Image, for letting them get away with whatever they want to do. I haven't read Saga. I've heard amazing things, but I love Brian (laughs) K. Vaughn probably forever for writing Why the Last Man and Runaways. Indeed. Yeah, those are some good things to, to love him for. Also, sidebar recommendations right there. Another book I want to talk about is Shudder. This is an, another image book that's fairly new. It's only got probably two trades out right now, but it involves a, a heroine who is a world famous explorer, sort of an Indiana Jones type, but in a world that includes a lot of different fantasy elements to it. I have not read this yet, but it looks great. Somebody read it and tell us what you think. Uh, another super new thing that I want to recommend is Black Magic. Uh, which is being written by Greg Rucka, also very new. In fact, it doesn't even have a whole trade's worth yet. It's a an, another image book, but it's about a woman who's a lady cop who has uh, magical powers. She's a uh, you know working in the world of black magic and the law. <laughs> so, so there you go. I feel like. It's a sort of a perfect amalgamation of things that happen in a certain part of Lost Girl. So so those are your recommendations for just fantasy series. Do you have any other other ones that are maybe a little more related to specific aspects of Lost Girl, perhaps? Indeed. I even have one so narrowly focused that if you like a very particular episode of Lost Girl, I, I recommend you pick up this comic. So the episode Caged Fae, where... Bo was in the Fae prison and had some rebellious things going on there. That exploitation-y kind of flavor. I deeply recommend to you the comic Bitch Planet, uh, which is written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, another comic writer who you should check out if you just need an author to begin with. And it's being drawn by Valentin Delandro. It's another image book that basically the premise of this book is there is a planet where rebellious women are banished. That if you're a woman who gets out of line in a highly restrictive society, you are put on this prison planet. A lot of different things have sent these women to the planet, which I find the most interesting part of it is what exactly they did that put them on the wrong side of this society. One of those thinly veiled versions of our own world where women are held to a different standard than men. The thing about this one is I actually recommend that you pick it up in single issues, which are all available digitally, because in the 
back of the comics, there is a letter section that happens a lot in comics where in an individual issue, there'll be letters to the editor or uh, other kind of news or notes. In Bitch Planet, at the end of each issue, there's an essay by a feminist, you know, a feminist writer that's currently writing. And some of them are pretty fantastic. So in other words, I just picked up the trade as well. But sadly, it does not include the essays. I'm assuming that they're going to put those essays together and sell sell them to you in a separate book. But just uh, so you know, if you want to get your paws on them right away, go single issue. So why did I not listen to you first, Elizabeth? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have the trade and it doesn't have the essays. You're right. It, that it, is super sad. Well, you know, let me know. We'll try to find them somewhere. Surely they're going to put them out in another book. Mm-hmm. There's another book that's coming out recently that's doing that same thing that I'll talk about in a minute. But are you reading? So you read some Bitch Planet? I have. I've read the first issue. I have the trade, but I've only read the first issue. Mm-hmm. And I bought it online. It's the first digital comic that I'm reading. And I'm not sure how I like reading it on a screen. There are advantages advantages to it, but also disadvantages. So we'll see. I might not read any more digital comics. It's kind of an experiment I thought I'd try. Sure. Well, it it does depend a lot on the comic. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Yeah. But I will say, I am someone who does not like Caged Fay very much, but I like Bitch Planet. Because hey. in, in my opinion, Bitch Planet is more feminist dystopia, whereas mm-hmm. Caged Fay is just women ex- women's prison exploitation film pastiche type of thing. <laughs> and not as much like, in my opinion, sort of feminist critique and engagement with that. Oh, world. Oh, certainly. Certainly. Yeah. I think, well, and you know, it's not a fair comparison because Bitch Planet gets to explore <laughs> it over time and there's right. several issues and yeah. it's a lot more built world around this prison. I would also include Bitch Planet in episodes that we, if we did such episodes of uh, recommended if you like Orange is the New Black, as well as recommended if you like Margaret Atwood. All true. <laughs> all true. It is, it, is, mm-hmm. it is something that I am recommending to a surprising number of people these days. So please, please read Bitch Planet. Tell us what you think. You mentioned the feminist essays at the back of the the things, which I haven't read. I did love the very back of the comic, because if you did mm-hmm. read comics back in the day, single issues, you'll you'll be familiar with like the ads that are on the backside of comics, or at least like the back pages of comics. And they Bitch Planet includes those, but they're ones that they have crafted, and they're very particular to this world. And I love them; they're great. <laughs> yes. I don't even want to tell people I know. about them. I no, just no, no. want them just, to be surprised. Just discover it's them, great. but don't don't yeah. skip the ads. The ads are great. <laughs> the ads are great. Yeah, don't. The, this book does an an excellent job of the design. In other words, the way that the whole book together has that look and feel of sort of an exploitation comic. Mm-hmm. The art is but amazing. I love like the it's, the cover art and yeah, it's great. They do a great job with that look and feel just to make you feel like you're really in the middle of this exploitation comic that also happens to be deeply feminist. I also have another weird Lost Girl direct connection with Ksenia Solo. There's a, a comic by Joe Hill, who is, I don't want to talk about somebody based on their dad, but I mean, how can you avoid it? It's Stephen King's son huh. who wrote this comic. Also, that some makes other so much sense. Horror books, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they they feel related, don't mm-hmm. they? So Joe Hill wrote this book called Lock and Key. It's a comic that is in there. There are some spinoffs as well, but the the main comic was six trades long, I believe. 
from 2008 to 2013 is when it ran. First, basically, the comic is this horror comic about this family that's dealing with some real tragedy that moved to one of their family home, which is on this island in the far Northeast, you know, like you do if you're Joe Hill. Um, That is a mysterious house that they eventually begin to find these keys that do various mystical, magical, and fantastical things. Uh, They're also dealing with a murderous spirit it is a comic that, Hate when that actually, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really a pain when you move to your family home and you find these magical objects and yet someone is trying to murder you pretty constantly and all the people you love too. I have to say it is an incredibly well put together comic. Uh, Gabriel Rodriguez does the art, does a fantastic job. And it is one of the few comics that has actually scared me. Like I, you know, I'm sitting there reading it and I'm feeling the chills. Like it's creeping me out. I am, I have a very high tolerance for horror, but this has actually scared me. It's, it's great. The Ksenia Solo weird connection is that there is a particularly horrifying murderous character in it that uh, a while ago when they were casting it for television, they cast Ksenia Solo in this role. I think she would have been great. Mm -hmm. It also would have been totally different because this character is just very horrifying. So um, I can, I'm sure she could do it. She would have killed it, but it's just one of those weird. Now I can't stop hearing her voice when I read the book. And it's, it's strange. It's a little strange. I believe the trailer for that is still available on YouTube. If I can find it, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's I've seen the trailer and the trailer itself looks pretty good. Like the show looked like it had some promise, but I don't think it ever got off the ground. It's it's one of those things that if you, you know, too much mediation could really have killed it. You yeah. know, like it needs to be weird and terrifying. It's hard to get that on TV. Another Lost Girl thing that we cannot ignore is just general sexiness. Like, you know, Lost yeah, Girl sex. I mean, come on. <laughs> Annie's not here, so I'll say it. Talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just sex, guys. Yeah. It's everywhere. Just general. Um, Doesn't matter who. Just general sexiness. <laughs> Whoever's having sex. Yeah. There is this book called uh, Sex Criminals, which is pretty great. It's um, by uh, Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. It's ongoing. So the the basic premise of this book is that there is a woman who, when she has orgasms, stops time. Oh, I've heard of this. Okay. And so <laughs> she can get away with various things when, when she stops time while she's having an orgasm. So if that – I mean, hey, <laughs> I, if that premise does not sell you, then – this is not the book for you. Like, if it does, though, please pick it up. <laughs> so another fantastic thing about this one is the letter section. And I know for a fact that Sex Criminals has put together its letter section in a separate book. So you can get the trades and also get the letter section. They got a uh, sex therapist to help them because they kept getting these, you know, really heartfelt letters from people about different sexual experiences. And so they, you know, they decided to get professional help answering the letters, which are, you know, alternately totally hilarious, like crazy places where people have found pornography, you know, just in life, like walking around, they'll find, you know, porn magazine somewhere, the 
first time that they masturbated, the first orgasm they ever had. I mean, just all kinds of dear, dear sex criminals. I never thought it happened to me kind of stories <laughs> that are sometimes hilarious. And then, you know, real heartfelt stories about people's experiences that are, you know, can be very sad and affecting. It's great. <laughs> they, they also do a good job of kind of giving you that the feel of the whole book is just very tongue in cheek, very like, I mean, they know they're writing a book about people stopping time with orgasm. So, and they commit, which I respect. <laughs> I've heard good things, but it's always like the book is called what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things that I, I don't know. I've never read it like out in public, although they have pictures in the letter sections of people reading the book like out in public somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, just so people will talk, I guess. I haven't quite had the the occasion for such a thing. It reminds me of that episode of Angel where this guy knew, the scientist guy knew that his girlfriend was going to break up with him. And so he stole this thing he'd been working on that could stop mm -hmm. time to like stop time you know, in exactly his little bedroom at the time that he was having yeah. an orgasm. But this sounds much better. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. It, Way less depressing and sad. It, yeah. Yeah. They come by it differently than uh, through physics, you know. Anyway, it's an unfolding mystery as, you know, they figure as the characters figure out what the heck is going on. Which as you can imagine, it starts out to be a very private thing, right? You know, they they don't share this with a lot of people. So. <laughs> Some other stories that I have about th these are just sort of a list of stories that I have about general tales of LGBTQ people. So, all kinds of stories one of the things that we talked about or that you talked about a long time ago in Lost Girl is, you know, how heartening it is to see uh, stories of queer folks on television that like it's it's such a nice, you know, relief to see those stories sometimes, especially when they're done well, you know, that helps more. <laughs> so I was trying to find some things that I think accomplish some of that goal. My author recommendation is just Alison Bechdel. She of who, the Bechdel test. She of the Bechdel test. The comic that she wrote in which the Bechdel test was born is called Dykes to Watch Out For. Uh, it's been collected in several different collections. So it's a, it was a, a comic strip rather than, you know, a, a book with longer stories, but it's been collected several different places. I also uh, recommend her graphic novel Fun Home, yes. which which has been recently turned into a musical, a Broadway musical, to great acclaim, I might add. I haven't read our, her other one, though, her other graphic novel yet. Uh, Are You My Mother? Mm -hmm. Is that the one you're thinking yeah. about? Yeah. I, I like Are You My Mother a lot. So what's going on in Fun Home is that she basically tells the story of her father, which is a quite tragic story. She also, in the book, part of the book that I find really good is her coming out story and just sort of how her she and her father relate i won't say more than that just because it, it's an unfolding drama you know her relationship her, with her mother is less fraught i think but but also painful in different ways her father is dead but her mother is still around and you can kind of tell the difference between the two books and that fun home is about her dad who's gone but are you my mother is about someone who's still around 
that she's still trying to have a relationship with. What Fun Home does with poetry and sort of the reading that she's doing in college, Are You My Mother does with reading that she's doing about psychology hmm. and the history of psychology, which I find really interesting. But hey, if that doesn't float your boat, I get it. You know, <laughs> like uh, I've heard, you know, people that really like Fun Home, some people don't like Are You My Mother. So I don't want to give too strong of a recommendation, but hey, I really liked it. Yeah, Fun Home is an amazing graphic novel. It 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 really is. But it's very somber in tone and it's fairly I don't want to say intellectual, but it is. It's fairly intellectual. It's about her time at college. She's a smarty pants. You know, like there's <laughs> yeah. it, it can maybe be a little esoteric at times, yeah. I think. But well, yeah, it's really she, good. She and her dad are both really well read. Right. Like, and it shows in the book. And she tries to reflect that in her, what she's writing. So it'll stretch your noodle, but, you know, <laughs> give it a go. I haven't read much of Dykes to Watch Out For, but I would say what I have seen, Dykes to Watch Out For is maybe closer in tone to Lost Girl than Phone Home is. But Fun Home's a really freaking good book. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it, especially in relationship to talk about a real a messed up relationship with your dad. I think Lost Girl has that pretty much <laughs> as strong as you could go. So if you're you know, if you need another story of messed up dad relationships, uh this is your book. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Dykes to watch out for is a much more tongue in cheek yeah. kind of you know, fun story. I mean, there are sad things that happen, but it's told with this very wry wit. Yeah. Another comic strip is, it's called Kate or Die. It's actually a web comic, so you can just look it up right now. And that's Google that. three words, Kate or Die. Not like, cater my meal or you'll die. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for, for, <laughs> for keeping me clear there. It's, it's written by a woman named Kate Leth, L-E-T-H who writes some other pretty great things, including the new Hellcat that I haven't read yet, but I'm sure is great. I haven't read it, but I've heard good things about that. I'm mad at myself for not getting it last time I was at the comic shop. <laughs> That's right. It, is, it, it looks great. This, this webcomic, though, Kate or Die, is individual strips musing on all kinds of different things from feminism to bisexuality to thinking about her working in a comic shop. I mean, it's, you know, it's different vignettes from life that anyway, I think are delightful. Is the title, do you know, this is a weird question, probably, is the title a pun slash reference to Eddie Izzard's Cake or Death skit? That's a great question. I've never <laughs> thought of that before. Honestly, I have no idea. That's fair. Just thought I'd ask. <laughs> it would be great, though. Much respect for any Eddie Izzard references. Mm -hmm. Another long-running book, uh, Love and Rockets, was written by the Hernandez brothers, uh, Gilbert, Jaime, and Mario uh, Hernandez. It started in 1982. Uh, so this comic is almost older, a little bit older than me. Mm -hmm. so, um, it's, I was going to say, it started in 1982, and I did too. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes. It generally follows, it falls, I mean, as you can imagine, anything running this long, it follows lots of different things. The Gilbert stories, those stories written by Gilbert, generally center around a, fix, a fictional Mexican village and have these sort of magical realist elements that I think Lost Girl fans will get around. And then uh, Jaime's stories 
are the ones that go around these two women, Maggie and Hopi, that are sometimes lovers, also friends. They're in a Latin American community in Los Angeles. Anyway, it's it's a great book. It's one of those things that I've dipped into at various times and, you know, never fail to enjoy. So it it follows lots of different issues, as you might imagine. Anything that's run this long goes a lot of different places. So something in there might appeal to you. Just shop around. Uh, my next recommendation is Strangers in Paradise by Terry Moore, which, Chris, I happen to know you are a big fan of. I am. I've I've read the whole thing. I started it in, I think, 2004 and got caught up and then finished the series when it ended. And yeah, it's really, really good. It's It's one of those things... <laughs> It goes some crazy places, this story. It changes tone a fair amount. So be prepared for that if you go into the story. I don't know. It's very character-based, which, you know, if you listen to the podcast, you know, is sort of my thing. Like, I'm really into the character-based stuff. So it's all about these two characters and their relationship. And then, you know, the people in their lives. So Can you give us a a more fleshed out you want setup something for the more, story more yes, specific than that two characters and their relationship <laughs> and the people around them <laughs> which is true but <laughs> all things that are true i happen to know there are characters they do <laughs> but yeah it's it's francine and kachu are the two main characters and yes her name is kachu actually it's katina chubansky if i'm remembering that correctly but it's been a while since i've read it but i actually need to go back and reread it it's it's delightful. Like you're saying, it does it does fluctuate wildly in tone, but it it is one of those things that I think, you know, you you gain the most from reading it like you did, you know, the whole thing. I think that's it's not uh love and rockets, I think is more something that you can dip into and dip out of. You know, just kind of hear an arc here or there and you can, you know, figure it out. Strangers in Paradise though, I would try to start from the beginning and, you know, go forward. Definitely. Yeah, cuz a better way to go. The basic premise is again it's these two women they're roommates it's kachu and francine kachu is in love with francine is basically what it is and francine you know she loves kachu but not quite like that so it's mm-hmm. a whole it's a whole thing sort of trying to navigate their feelings and the the changing dynamics of that relationship and how the relationship changes when there are other people in their lives. And yeah. So this is a recommended, if you like McAndrews as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of. (laughs) That, that is a bomb girls reference for those who may not really, sorry, go ahead. I feel like it's a Valkybus story. There you go. It's a, what if, what if you'd put these two characters together as roommates a long time ago and let them run from like, you know, the early 90s to 2007, what would that have been like? So if you want that angst in your life, you know, <laughs> it's not all angst. I need to clarify here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> that could have been really interesting. Tamsin in the 90s. I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> Ooh. I see the hair possibilities immediately. See? see? <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because there's this whole elaborate backstory specifically for Kachu that uh, it gets really interesting. And yeah, again, it changes tone all the time. So there's like a criminal story in there and there's comedy and it's just, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's great. Terry Moore, who writes this, 
I mean, it was his baby for so long. As you get interested in one story or another story, you can just tell he just wanted to do something a little different and his wanted to see what his characters would do in different situations. Yep. I, I feel like it makes it great. <laughs> it does. It's, it's, it's one of those things you kind of, it, it doesn't ever get boring because it does change mm-hmm. over time. So Elizabeth, you may not notice, but we're, we're, we're fans <laughs> of, of ladies and ladies who have friendship relationships with other ladies. <laughs> Do you have comic book recommendations for for ladies who are solving problems together, taking on big tasks? I do. I do indeed. And in fact, as I was thinking about this, so a lot of the comics we've talked about so far are self-published or smaller publisher type comics. We talked a lot about Image and Vertigo and a couple of those books were IDW. But now I want to talk about the big two that is Marvel and DC. Because I think despite a lot of factors, I actually think the big two do some of this really well. Ladies with teams solving problems is something that they can do. My first recommendation is She-Hulk. There is a run that concluded last year. It's only a two-trade run. You know, more's the worse. I wish it went on forever. But Charles Sewell wrote a brief run on She-Hulk where She-Hulk gets to be a lawyer again in the best way possible because Charles Sewell himself, by the way, is also a lawyer. So he knows how to write a lawyer. She-Hulk, if you don't know, is a woman named Jennifer Walters, who through various machinations, but through probably a blood transfusion is the is the biggest story by her cousin, who is the Incredible Hulk, Bruce Banner. She gets Hulk powers. Now the difference between, you know, the Incredible Hulk and the She-Hulk is not just the she part, but that she can control her Hulk powers and in fact prefers to be in her Hulk body. So being a tall, strong green lady appeals to her uh, rather than being her regular Jennifer Walters self. It changes her personality, but only slightly. Whereas, you know, Bruce Banner goes monosyllabic. She can still be a lawyer while she hulking. <laughs> Whilst she hulking. That's right. She does a great job of, you know, uh, being a bigger personality. Uh, while she's She-Hulk. And in this book, in this particular run, she has to team up with uh, some other friends, including Hellcat, by the way, who we mentioned earlier, just to solve some big superhero problems. Uh, She gets into a situation where she's in the courtroom opposite Daredevil. So you get to see other Marvel lawyers strut their stuff. It's it's a great book. I wish it had gone on forever. (laughs) I also recommend the most recent Black Widow run. Uh, Nathan Edmondson's writing it, but Phil Noto is the one I really want to note. Phil Noto, you may (laughs) know. You want to note O? (laughs) I want to note Phil Noto because he is somebody whose covers I have long admired. He writes, he draws beautiful covers to different books. He's, you know, in demand. These gorgeous, beautifully colored watercolors type art very painterly style on different books. But he draws this book where Black Widow is sort of coming to terms with herself as a super spy. You may remember Black Widow from the recent Avengers runs, uh, movies. It's that character, basically, just the comic book version of her. A lot of times a sort of glaze when superhero books start fighting, you know, kind of glaze over. But these have some of the most beautiful fights. I under- both understand exactly what's going on and, you know, 
can can really see the style that's going in there. So it's a very stylized book. I love it. Also, just thinking about ladies solving problems that have been in other media lately, you may have heard a little stir about Jessica Jones. There is a comic book that goes along with that. Chris, I know you've been reading that. How, what do you think of Alias, a.k.a. Jessica Jones? Wasn't it just always Alias when it was actually on the shelves originally coming out? Yes. So the the subtitle is now... For some, okay, they've been doing this thing lately where they're, of course, trying to get people to read this book because there's this popular Netflix show that had Jessica Jones in it and people are confused because Alias was also another television show and, you know, people, people get confused easily. So lately they have been subtitling Alias everywhere that I've seen, AKA Jessica Jones, which is also related to the story. So not totally out of the blue, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It is Alias. Yes. Period. (laughs) And I think they originally were intending to title Jessica Jones, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, as a nod to the fact that it was originally titled Alias. Because a.k.a. means this is her alias. Huh? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But yeah, I'm about halfway through it. I've enjoyed it so far. It's it's pretty good. It's one of those things. It's Brian Michael Bendis, which if you're familiar with Brian Michael Bendis, it's talky, but it's interesting Mm -hmm. talky. (laughs) Right. Is it as straight? out of a noir movie slash novel as the series is? It's pretty noir. It's it's different than the series. If you're looking for something exactly like the series, it's it's not. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that are very similar, obviously. I mean, it's clear that the series came from this book, but they change mm-hmm. a lot of stuff to fit it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. I, well, and Brian Michael Bendis writes noir comics. So That's true. The, the noir comic is different than the noir film. And I think wisely, the series, you know, leans toward its medium. So it, the series that's on television leans more toward the tropes of noir cinema rather than noir comics, which are dark in their own special way. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Another recommendation I have for ladies that are with teens solving problems, she's a little more solo act, but Batgirl is a great lady who solves problems. Batgirl I'm thinking about is Barbara Gordon, particularly Gail Simone's run on Batgirl. I haven't read the newest run, but Gail Simone's run starting in 2011, which was part of the New 52 run that you may have heard about. It's a a reboot of comics. Oh, okay. Of the DC universe. Basically, they decided to start over with origin stories. Now, they don't go quite back all the way to the beginning with Batgirl, but it's certainly something you can pick up right away. Uh, All you need to know is Batgirl is Barbara Gordon, who is Commissioner Gordon's daughter. So she's in the Batman universe. There is Batman in the story. He, He makes some cameos, but this is her adventures in... Gotham, getting things done, fighting the supervillains. The the volume I want you to start with, if you start on some Batgirl, is called Darkest Reflection, or The Darkest Reflection, I think. She is a lady in charge of herself. There's also some other neat Barbara Gordon stuff that happens uh, in some older runs. I think for somebody, though, that wants to think about large and in charge Batgirl, <laughs> Gail Simone's the best place to go. We should talk about Birds of Prey, though, if we're going to talk about Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, and her other 
places that she shows up. Do you want to talk about Birds of Prey, Chris? When do I not want to talk about Birds of Prey? <laughs> I have I have Good given call. Stephanie my loner copy of the first Gail Simone Birds of Prey storyline. Because Lucky Stephanie. But she hasn't read it yet. <laughs> Come on, Stephanie. Get with it. <laughs> This is Stephanie in the editing room, and I just wanted to say that I have read this since we recorded this episode, and it was fun. But I love Barbara Gordon, and I love Gail Simone, and mm-hmm. it was it was interesting because I had not heard of Gail Simone at the time. What what happened was, <laughs> I was in college, <laughs> I, I had finished my homework or something, I was sitting in my dorm room, and so I ended up Googling Barbara Gordon just because I was like whatever happened to Barbara Gordon? Because <laughs> I hadn't been reading comics right then. Sure. It had been a while. And I kept seeing this cover of the first Gail Simone written Birds of Prey run had just been released on trade paperback. And there were mm. all these glowing reviews of it. And so I was like, I have to get to a comic book shop. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And I read it. And it was wonderful. It's It's fun. It's action-filled. It's about, yeah, a team of women going out and fighting crime. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, the tone is spot on for, you know, ladies and teams solving problems. I mean, if, if, you, if that's what you're hankering for after Lost Girl, then this is, this is your book. Go find it. There's a reboot that's happening now. I've read a little bit of it. It's not, I mean, I don't know. A lot of times we get a prejudice around the thing that uh, helped us enter into a world like whatever album you hear from a band, that's your favorite. So I I tend to have that feeling around birds of prey with Gail Simone. Like that's the book that I'm thinking about when I think about birds of prey. Me too. Yeah. It's one of those things. I feel like if, if you're a fan of Michelle Lavretta's writing or a fan of Emily Andrus's writing, you should go Mm -hmm. find some Gail Simone books. Yes. Oh, I I would also recommend, so there's a Wonder Woman book that Gail Simone did. My favorite of them is called The Circle, Mm -hmm. which is fairly easy to find. It's, it's, you know, in print and around. That's a a Wonder Woman that I think you could figure out even without having read any other Wonder Woman in the world. If you love Gail Simone, I think you'll, you'll groove on that. Yep. So another bird of prey with another book that's actually coming out right now. It's it's I've only seen previews of it, but it looks fantastic. It's Black Canary. Uh, Black Canary uh, is another lady from Birds of Prey who's really in charge in the DC universe. She has that canary cry. And in the most recent book, she is a member of a punk band. And <laughs> what I love most about this book, just from the previews, is how gorgeous it is. Like the colors on it in particular look beautiful. So I haven't read it yet, so I can't, you know, give my full, the full weight of my recommendation. But boy, it looks good. So something worth checking out. I feel like I should also mention the Birds of Prey TV show. <laughs> Just because some people listening might have seen it. <laughs> Featuring Rachel Scarston. That's why I was going to bring it up, because Rachel Scarston was Black Canary in the Birds of Prey TV show, which I feel like every time I recommend Birds of Prey, the comic to people, they they always bring up the TV show. And I'm like, no, they got the TV show uh-uh. pretty wrong. <laughs> it, there's a certain amount of fun in the TV show, but it's not remotely like the comics. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Because some people listening might know the character of Black Canary from Arrow. That is true. true. She is a queer character 
on Arrow and one now of them is Legends of Tomorrow. Well, yes, one of them. The one who uh-huh. it, here's the thing <laughs> about Black Canary. <laughs> Tell us the thing about Black Canary and Arrow. They have two of them, and there aren't two in the comic books. That's what I wanted you to talk about, right? Because they have them as sisters in Arrow mm-hmm. and. Sarah Lance does not exist in the DC comic books. There you go. It's just Dinah Lance. Because it's Dinah Laurel Lance is her name. But she goes by Laurel on Arrow. And it's she's a lawyer, which makes no sense. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Chris has opinions about Arrow. (laughs) I like Arrow fine. It's just one of those things you have to divorce it from the comic books a certain amount. But that's why I wanted you to talk about it, because some people might be conceiving of Black Canary as Sarah Lance on Uh, the Arrow, and she is is different in the comic book universe. She is. She's very different in the comic book universe. She's still a lot of fun. But does she kiss ladies? Does she kiss ladies is the important question. Not that I've seen. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen her kiss ladies. Although she's in an all-girl punk band in the new comic, so who knows? There's 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 lady kissing potential there, is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's there. I'm just saying it's potential. If you want a Gail Simone book where there are ladies who kiss other ladies, go check out Secret Six. Well, yes. and I was going to segue to say, I do believe somebody who kisses ladies, a lady who kisses ladies, is Batwoman, correct? She does. That's right. So... Batwoman, I am recommending in particular the run with Greg Rucka, uh, who's an author I quite like. Another note from the editing room, Elizabeth actually misspoke here. The author of Hydrology was not, in fact, Greg Rucka. The author was J.H. Williams III and W. Hayden Blackman. So when she says Greg Rucka in this section here, she's actually meaning those two authors. The volume of Batwoman that Greg Rucka did write was actually called Elegy. It precedes Hydrology. It's right before it. And if you are interested in Batwoman from what we talk about here, I would actually suggest starting with Elegy. It is same artist, beautiful artwork written by Greg Rucka, and it has the origin story in a way of this Kate Kane. So it's a really good place to start if you're new to this character. His run went for the first, I believe it's just the first four volumes, trade volumes of this Batwoman series. Boy, is it fraught and complicated, but it is also a beautifully drawn book. Uh, J.H. Williams III is the artist there. It's a beautifully drawn book, again, that has has that real painterly look to it. Uh, It's the best way I know how to describe just the way the art works. Plus, it's if you read comics for a while, you'll notice, you'll start to notice when people do an excellent job with the design, like the way that the panels are laid out in a book can be interesting if you have some talent with that area. And this is a book where that happens a lot. I know it's a weird way to recommend a book. Like it's, you know, it looks good, guys, but it's, it is, it is a quite tragic book. So, you know, don't go in for cheery, for cheery stuff. Especially those first four are good. There was some politics at DC about Batwoman actually marrying her girlfriend that made these two guys leave the book. They wanted Batwoman to get married and the DC editorial apparently did not. I am not fully informed about this particular tussle, but it sounds like Greg Rucka came out on the side of righteousness in this one, but he did leave the book. So those first four, where it's at. 
I always get confused about Batgirl versus Batwoman. They're two different people, correct? It's not just a an older Batgirl. That's right. <laughs> totally different human beings. Batwoman is Kate Kane, uh, no relation to Barbara Gordon. That I know. But yeah, in fact, weirdly, Batgirl as the character is a much longer standing character in the Batman universe. There was a Batgirl for a long time before there was a Batwoman. Although I believe they introduced both Batgirl and Batwoman back in like the 40s or 50s. I forget. But they were briefly, they were brief characters. They had a brief run. And Kate Kane was one of them. They did. Yes. Yes. Unless I'm misremembering all of this. Yes. So Batgirl and Batwoman were introduced earlier, but Batgirl has had a lot more stories than Batwoman has had. That is true. Yeah. So she's a much longer running character than Batwoman. So let me talk about another character who is a lady in charge of things. In fact, one of the most powerful ladies in all of comics uh, is the unbeatable Squirrel Girl. I have heard amazing things about Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl, which is hard to say for me, apparently. Uh, Squirrel is a difficult word to say, especially if it's followed by any other words. (laughs) Okay, so the unbeatable Squirrel Girl is something that I'm recommending, not necessarily to the Lost Girl audience, but to... uh, The world. Human beings. (laughs) Human beings who have hearts. (laughs) (laughs) So Squirrel Girl is a very minor, uh, at least before this, Marvel character. Uh, who showed up in Marvel Superheroes number eight quite a long time ago, as sort of a joke. I mean, that there is a character who has the powers of a squirrel. In other words, she can she can talk to squirrels, and she can jump around like squirrels do. She has a squirrel friend named Tippy Toe, who is her buddy. But the unbeatable Squirrel Girl is, by the transitive property, one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe. In that she has beaten Doctor Doom, which is something that no other Marvel character has seemed to be able to do. In the most recent stuff, she actually beat Galactus. So, you know, she's doing a lot of good good stuff with some big villains. <laughs> and in in a in one of those situations where they're trying to girl power up the Marvel line in all the best ways, they have given Squirrel Girl her own book called The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. It is being Uh, Written right now by Ryan North with art by Erica Henderson. She is delightful. I mean, it's one of those things where if you need something to have fun at the end of the day, may I recommend the unbeatable Squirrel Girl? She cannot be beaten. It's in her name. I mean, (laughs) I I know. It's in her name, guys. (laughs) It is a well put together book. Uh, Not only is the art and story just a delight, but they have little sort of design things going on in this book, like. Uh, At the bottom of pages, they have little teeny tiny, you have to get your magnifying glass out. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm an old lady, but I have to like squint really hard to figure out what's going on. But there are little comments at the bottom of every single comic book page about what's going on in the page, sort of by as if Squirrel Girl is reading her own book, Mm. which is super clever. She's also got a collection of... Deadpool's Guide to Supervillains trading cards that she whips out occasionally that are just delightful because she pulls out a card to name every supervillain that she comes across, you know? She's just learning. She's in college, you know. She's she's learning her own world, much like Lost Girl is learning the world of the Fae. She's but she's also very much in charge of her own destiny. 
Let's see. I also have one more recommendation that Stephanie wanted to talk about Red Sonia. I can't believe we didn't talk about Red Sonia. We were talking about Gail Simone, but, uh, well, we, we, we'd like to end on Gail Simone, I guess. Oh, she's a nice way to bookend mm-hmm. everything, really. So Red Sonia is a character straight out of like Conan the Barbarian. Uh, she is a barbarian warrior that wears a chainmail bikini with the best because, of Because, you know, that just sounds comfortable. <laughs> I mean, you know, it it never seems to give her many problems. I mean, <laughs> I just think about rust. Exactly. A- exactly. Maybe it's stainless steel. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, she's a heavy drinking, hard fighting barbarian warrior who gets into various adventures and mischief whilst drinking. <laughs> Gail Simone is delightful, you know? <laughs> like, uh, so it's very much understands itself as a uh, hilarious book in a lot of ways. But she also does some touching things with her relationships, especially with different female characters that she's trying to help navigate the world that they live in, the barbaric world that they live in. So maybe especially recommended for Tamsin fans. <laughs> I think that's a wise that is a wise uh, choice there <laughs> for Tamsin fans. Also, anyone who would like to uh, see what it's like when a buxom redheaded warrior woman goes after justice. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't <laughs> that everybody? <laughs> I have never met the person for whom that is a bad thing. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for sharing the the wealth of your knowledge about comic books. Chris knows more about comics than I do, and I uh, it, but, but you, way I less think, than no, Elizabeth. I know, but Elizabeth knows more. Doctor Elizabeth. <laughs> oh well. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun talking about comic books. I you know don't just do this as a pro, but you know because I love it so. And if anybody's got questions, I love hearing, having people talk about comic books. And you can find Elizabeth on Twitter. She is E Coody. That's E-C-O-O-D-Y. But thank you so much for being on, on the podcast. We really appreciate your being here. And thanks for having me. So we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we are looking for voice messages. Send us voice messages telling us how you feel about Lost Girl coming to the end. By the way, Elizabeth, I don't think we've gotten one from you yet. <clears throat> oh, that's right. I'm still sorting out my feelings. <laughs> be honest. You'll have a chance at, at stickers. There are stickers. There's mm-hmm. a Lost Girl bumper sticker, logo bumper sticker. There's a Valkybus sticker. And there's a Kenzie sticker. And Ooh. other surprise prizes, which I have lying around in my office that I will send people. They're good prizes. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> I have used pencil. <laughs> a weird statue of a cat. No, Susan would kill me if I <laughs> said that to people. Oh, don't... <laughs> But you can send us voice messages telling us your feelings about Lost Girl coming to an end, what Lost Girl has meant to you, just general feelings about Lost Girl, the series. Send those in. There's a few ways you can do it. Go to our website, drinkswithadoll.com. Click on the send voicemail button on the right-hand side of our website. You can also send us a voice message called 972-514-7223. If you are international and calling a 972 number would be financially prohibitive, you can record a voice memo using your smartphone and email it to us, feedback at drinksatthedoll.com. You can also email us any comments you have about this episode. If you have other comics you want to recommend to people, email us or better yet, go and leave a comment on the show notes at our website, drinksatthedoll.com slash 130. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks at the Doll. My name is Stephanie. I like comics and my name is Chris. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.